Yeah. You have to be organized to lose weight or be healthy because if you're not organized, it's just not going to happen. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Chris, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Thank you. And today we are going to be discussing cooking and how to lighten up your favorite recipes. But before we get going, I'd like for you to take a minute and tell the listeners about yourself and how you found yourself in this field of health coaching and functional medicine. Sure. Um, well, after I had my kids, I have three kids. I got up to my heaviest weight, which was 233 pounds. And it took me a really long time to kind of figure out what worked for me, probably a good 10 years or so. But once I finally figured it out, I lost a bunch of weight on my own. And I had a lot of people asking me, how did you do it? And really what I did was I read a lot of articles and I had a free website called Spark People that I just followed what they told me to follow and it worked. And I, I was exercising. I was exercising seven days a week at that point, which I don't recommend anymore, but um, <laughs> it worked. So when I told them about this free website, they, everybody I said, you know, I followed up with, so did you get on the website? Nah, it's too hard. There's, it's too overwhelming. There's too much. It's too much work. And, you know, I thought, well, I don't know what to do, what to tell you. So I started looking into becoming, helping with weight loss. I looked at a dietitian program, which didn't work out, a nutrition science program, which didn't work out. And I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. So it was in my price range. It was only a year. It was all online. And I went through that. And during, in the meantime, I was working at a doctor's office and one of the doctors there had lost his own weight too and became certified in obesity medicine. And he had told me he was opening up a medical weight loss center. So he kind of stole me from that office to work with him at the Medical Weight Loss Center. So by the time that opened, I had graduated and, and I've been working there. It'll be four years in November. So, And you're still working there today? Yep, I'm still working there. Not That's completely awesome. full-time, but I'm going down to three days a week next month. So, Okay. Yeah, so it's given me a lot of practice with coaching patients and helping them with weight loss and, and all of the emotional stuff. He does all of the technical medical stuff and, and then my coworkers and I, we work with the the emotional side of weight loss, which is kind of my specialty. <laughs> oh, that's a big part of it. I mean, that's yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah. So, and in the meantime, with the functional medicine part, I, I actually have had both of my hips replaced last year. I had hip arthritis. And so that kind of interested me as to figure out what, what the heck happened. So I, I took the first semester of the School of Applied Functional Medicine and I uh, just finished that up in June. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Are you, are you taking some time off now? Yeah, it was a lot to to do all at one time. So I, I'm taking a little time off and I had already signed up for another um, program called the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. So I'll get to learn how to teach cooking classes while cooking and learn about nutrition while cooking. So that I'm really excited about that. So I wanted to take that time off because I knew I couldn't do both. And that's just from September to, to December. So well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, good for you. Uh, you know, on the subject of cooking, Cooking is a very important part of 
anybody's journey to weight loss, because I find, and, and I'm sure you find the same thing doing what you're doing with the weight loss center is that people who cook tend to be cook healthier and, and also tend to lose weight or maintain weight better than they do when they are not cooking or eating processed box foods or eating out all the time. So cook, cooking is very important. I'm sure you see that a lot. Yeah. And many people don't quite get the whole grasp, the whole thing about cooking. And, and I'm, I love myself. I love to cook. Okay. So I think cooking is very important part of a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You're going into, so basically you specialize in, in you're, in a, you're looking at the cooking aspect and helping people learn how to cook. Correct. Cooking for weight loss, basically. Okay. In there, we're going to talk today about lightening up your favorite recipes like grandma's lasagna or, you know, some of the things that people crave. I know lasagna is one of the biggies for me or carbs, tacos, pizza. I'm trying to think of some other things that people, you know. Mac and cheese is a big one. Mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I'm laughing because I just saw an art. I read an article last week or two weeks ago about the box mac and cheese and, and the chemicals in it. And I was like, oh my gosh. I know it's horrible. Yeah. So why should we lighten up our recipes? Well, it's a, a few different reasons. One, it's, it's less calories. And, and typically when you're trying to lose weight, you want to bring in less calories than you're expending. It's kind of a sort of a mathematical equation, but as health coaches, that doesn't always fit into that mold. So, you know, my grandma used to make pasta and everything like that, but, you know, the, the chemicals that they're using on the crops nowadays and all of the, the stuff that goes with all of that, you know, so-called advancement has really kind of soured our food choices. So what, and not only that, but also unsustainable farming practices have depleted the soil of nutrients. So what, what grandma had as lasagna that was halfway decent for you is not the same as what we have today. And right. not only that, but they did a lot more hard work. They were on the farm or they were cleaning the house. So they were, they were a lot more physical and, and they had a lot smaller portion sizes. So what they were doing back then doesn't work today anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, and both, most of us, I know myself, I sit behind this desk all day and it's, it's hard getting the proper nutrition and cooking meals and cooking things that you really like. Mm-hmm. How do you go about lightening up a recipe? Like substitu- substitution, what do you substitute and why do you substitute it? Sure. I, I do a couple different things. I, I'll substitute ingredients. I'll reduce some of the ingredients and then some of the ingredients in certain recipes you can completely eliminate. So for substituting, like maybe you could substitute something that is lower in sodium, carbs, or unhealthy fat. So instead of using a pasta, I might use zucchini noodles or something to that effect. There are lower carb options out there. There's noodles made out of things like chickpeas or other products that have protein and less carbs. So you can substitute that type of thing. Substituting store-bought for fresh, like 
um, salsa. You can make your own sugar substitutes instead of sugar. And that's, you know, the jury's kind of out on that one. Stevia is probably one of the best bets because it's actually a plant. Um, although it does still go through some processing and, and it has a little bit of a bitter aftertaste for some people. And, and I'm used to that now, so that doesn't bother me, but sometimes it turns people off. So, you know, using a sugar substitute can, you know, bring down some of the calories and carbs for people, which sometimes can help with weight loss, with blood sugar and everything. Okay, and I I like to use uh, honey. Sure. As a, honey a little or bit maple of syrup, maple yeah. syrup, a That's real maple bit. syrup. Let's clarify yes, that for the, not the process, not Aunt stuff. Jemima's chemical no. warfare stuff. <laughs> no, no, um, actual the real maple syrup. You can find right. that at a farmer's market usually, or even even at the store sometimes. Yeah, Trader Joe's, yep. Sprouts. Uh, now all these has jumped on the bandwagon, so you can find it there. And there's other things out there like coconut sugar and things like that that are coming out and monk fruit and, and some things that are a little less chemically Enha- enhanced, right? <laughs> or sometimes they'll substitute, um, you know, for health, for fats instead of using like a, a vegetable oil, I'll do an olive oil or coconut oil or grapeseed oil, something that's not processed as much or leaner meats like um, turkey or chicken instead of beef grass fed kind of fits in there too, because they're, they're fed different foods. So they have a different, it, it's like eating a different animal, <laughs> you know, but, and some of the, the leaner meats like turkey or chicken actually are a little bit more cost effective too. So it's something that you can have more of around the house. Although I do like me a good steak once in a while. So. Right. Cause grass fed is <laughs> not, not ex- inexpensive. No, no. So you kind of got to go with where your clients are at and what you can afford to. Right. And so if a client is, is, you know, turkey or chickens instead of uh, the beef that's on the shelf is a lot Mm -hmm. better choice. Yep, exactly. What about reducing some, what do you reduce when you're making something like, do you reduce the amount of sugar you're putting in it or the fat? Yeah, you can reduce sugar or fat um, by up to half on, on certain things. Producing extra ingredients like sauces and, um, you know, you can use less butter, you can use less creams, less sugars, and reducing portion sizes in general using, I'm a big fan of using smaller plates or bowls for serving because, you know, as we've, our our bowls and plates have have grown as we've grown (laughs) as a society. So I use the kids' plates or um, things like that. And, And it, at first, when I was first bringing down my portion sizes, my little inner child was like, wait a minute, that's not enough food. But I found <laughs> if I slow down a lot and really take my time and enjoy and chew my food, I am full even with a smaller portion. So that has helped Yeah, let's go back to that. Yeah. Slowing down your eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you expand on that? Because that's a huge, huge thing to do especially for like acid reflux mm-hmm. and and a lot of people and I find my I'm guilty as I'm as guilty as the next person I'll sit here with my dinner in front of my laptop and work while I'm eating mm-hmm. which is a huge no-no yeah but I do it I do that too sometimes <laughs> but you slow down and chew your food now t- let's talk about going to chewing and why that's important oh it's so important and and we just we're so f- fast at things nowadays that nobody takes time to do it, but your, your digestion actually starts in your mouth. Your saliva is what starts to break down the food in there. And, and when you take your time to chew your food, it does a couple things. So it starts your digestive process. 
if you slow down and chew your food to your bite until it's almost liquid, that is allowing your digestion to start and your stomach has to work a lot less. It brings, there's a less, less um, opportunity for the larger particles to, to go through undigested. Um, it also helps your hormones kind of reset. So when you're eating after a certain amount of time, the hormone that tells you that you're full kind of kicks in. And when you're eating slower, then that kicks in before you're finished with your meal. And that allows you to realize that you're, you're full or satisfied. So you don't go from, oh, I'm still hungry to, oh my God, I can't, but un- I have to unbutton my pants because I can't breathe kind right. of thing. You know, and what happens with that is when you have too much food in your stomach, that can kind of back up a little bit and your stomach doesn't have as much, the, as much ability to, to digest your food. So that can cause some reflux. Okay. Here's one, and I hear this a lot from my clients, is, but Tom, I like salt. Mm-hmm. I usually recommend a sea salt over a regular table salt. I do too. And is that something you could... Is, you know, is that something sustainable? Oh yeah, you can get. You want to get the? I get the Himalayan sea salt. the The sea salt that is pink or gray, not the white stuff, is the stuff that's much better for you. But you can get those at any. You can get them at Walmart. I can find that it's very easy to do. But it, it actually, for to me, the sea salt tastes more salty than regular table salt. So I need a lot less. And we're, we've been conditioned with all of the packaged stuff out there to like salty foods because they dump salt in it so that it tastes good. And then we're addicted to that. So you know, bringing down the salt is actually very helpful. And it helps you taste the food better rather than just salt. Okay, now, what are some of the things you eliminate? And I know you said butter, but I'm a huge fan of full-fat butter. Well, yeah, but you don't always need as much. So you right. could cut that. You know, you could eliminate it if you want to, or you could cut it out, or at least cut out part of it. Okay. But like sugar, some things like fruit. When I was a kid, my grandma always used to put sugar on the strawberries, and I don't like that. Actually, it makes them mushy, and I just like a regular strawberry, just like it is. So I can totally take that off, and and at least reducing that until you can eliminate it is helpful. Eliminating bread, if you wrap your sandwich in a lettuce leaf or make a taco salad instead of putting your ingredients into a tortilla is very helpful. Or if you want one tortilla, fine, do one. And then if you want a little bit more of the ingredients, put that in a bowl. You can take out whipped cream, which, you know, I like a good full-fat whipped cream. But again, it's it's helping when you're reducing the portion right. sizes to not eat as much. When you are having a tortilla, mm-hmm. what what kind of tortilla are you having you having corn or are you having the the whatever the altar i forgot what the other one the is flour on. the flour yeah well for me personally gluten and flour things with flour are a, a trigger for me that triggers my reflux it also triggers you know itchy skin and water retention and all that so i personally go for the corn but i'm looking for organic more than anything because of the, the roundup that they put on crops so I'm looking for organic. Sometimes I can find a low carb and organic, but I, I prefer the corn personally. Okay. That's what I, that's my preference on tortillas is corn also, because I just don't, the like you said, the flour or to your point, the flour and the gluten, I can definitely feel it. So, yeah. So let's say we're going to make grandma's lasagna. Okay. And we all, you know, grandma always make the best. Grandmas and, and 
my mother or your mother, you know, mom, mom always makes the best lasagna. Yep. And grandma made the best lasagna. So what do we do as far as pastas go? I mean, I know there's a lot of alternatives out there, like whole grain pastas now, but then you're going back to a grain or, or a wheat or gluten again. But there are a lot of gluten-free pastas in the market now. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend those? Or how, what are your feelings? Or, I mean, zucchini noodles or something you mentioned in your notes? Yep. And spaghetti squash I'll use too. Okay. Well, with working at the Medical Weight Loss Center, we're counseling people on a lower-carb diet. Only pretty much because uh, um, something that has a little bit lower in carbs can help you lose weight by regulating your blood sugar. So I don't actually recommend the gluten-free pastas because those tend to have even more carbs in them than regular conventional pasta. Oh, good point. Yeah, and it's a lot. Like quinoa pasta is like 42, I think it's about 40, 35 to 40 grams of carbs in one serving, a half cup, and regular pasta is like 20-something or 30. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. And then the gluten-free substitutes, you know, when you're taking something that's a refined kind of flour, no matter whether it's gluten-free or not, that still can cause certain people who have addictive brain, ten- their brain is, has addictive tendencies to, to still have issues with blood sugar. So I don't recommend those. I'll go for the zucchini noodles or spaghetti squash or the chickpea pasta or things like that. Okay. And, and when you're going for the, 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 the zucchini noodles, hmm and you're making a lasagna with the zucchini zucchini noodles. Mm-hmm. How does it taste? It actually tastes pretty good. And I, I have to, t- to tell you that I never ate vegetables much when I was growing up. I'm a reformed veggie hater, I call myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but pretty much I can eat any veggie in tomato sauce. So, um, it, you know, it does have, it doesn't, it has a little bit different texture, but it's pretty close. And I'll use either, you can use either cut it into strips using a, a mandolin, which is the easiest way, or sometimes I will use a um, spiralizer and I'll spiralize the noodles and just kind of use that as a layer. Okay. It tastes pretty good, oddly enough. I, I don't taste the veggies in veggie lasagna. Wow, that's interesting. Because I'm not a huge fan of zucchinis. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I, like them plain either. <laughs> I love vegetables, but zucchini is something that I just don't. I, I, it's the last thing I'll buy. Yeah. Well, you can do, you can spiralize carrots and sweet potatoes and other vegetables too. And you don't have to use zucchini. That just happens okay. to be an easy one. If I made lasagna with sweet potatoes, I'm going to taste the sweet potato though, correct? I haven't tried that one. So I'm not sure. You might. That I don't know for sure. And each person, like one person can taste something and, and they can tell that it's in there and the next person can't. So it kind of depends on the person. Although I found that spaghetti squash doesn't have much of a taste to it. So it pretty much takes on the taste of whatever you put with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Spaghetti. I never thought about spaghetti squash in there, yeah. but I, that's, I love spaghetti squash. Yeah. And I love squash season except for zucchini. Yep. See, I don't like any squash except for the spaghetti squash and I'll use zucchini and stuff. So yeah, it depends. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the cheese and the sauce. Yep. What do we do? For the cheese and the sauce. I mean, lasagna is made with ricotta cheese. How do, you, how, how, do you, how do you take that out and have lasagna? Well, then I would probably reduce part of that with the ricotta cheese. I know my family will do a little blend of ricotta and 
um, cottage cheese together and kind of blend that together. I would just, I probably wouldn't take that out completely. I probably would just reduce that. Okay. Just to reduce the amount of ricotta cheese. Yeah. Okay. And now about the sauce. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, I know and you know that a lot of the canned sauces out there, you really got to read the label for sugars. Yeah. And salt. Uh, And salt. Mm Mm-hmm. So do you, what do you recommend for the, the tomato or for the paste or the, the sauce in your lasagna? I personally make my own. I'll get the reduced sodium or no sodium at, you can get no salt added tomatoes now. I'll use that instead. I make my own sauce. So I have my own recipe that I've done with ground turkey and the spices. And, and I actually like to add some pureed carrots and spinach or some other veggies to that to to boost the veggie content because I like I said don't like them plain typically so and my kids will eat it then and they don't know that there's vegetables in there so I do I do my own and I'll freeze some of it that I'm not using and and just use lasagna or I'll make spaghetti one night and then use the leftover to make lasagna another night or something like that okay good now what else can you add to this lasagna I see pureed chickpeas on your list mm-hmm. instead of beef. Yeah. And I'm not a big chickpea person, but that one tasted really good when we tried that one. Really? Yeah. It, it has kind of a, it's a similar texture to beef. You can tell that it's not, but it, it does the job oddly enough. I was surprised. I did not think I would like that. Interesting. I, mm-hmm. I have to try that. What are some other things you can add to this spinach to give it some protein? Um, well, there's a little bit of protein in spinach or kale. You know, some of the vegetables have extra protein in them. I'd have to look up some of them. I don't know exactly the ones, but you add spinach or kale for extra nutrition, extra greens. You could do. Okay. Let's talk about uh, where now that we have our lasagna, it's time to go for a dessert. If you like dessert, I'm not a big fan of dessert. I like, I usually get a, t- a cacao bar and have like two little bricks of it at the end of the, my meal for my dessert. But pumpkin pie is something that, especially going into the fall, that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you would make a pumpkin pie and make it healthy. I actually do a crustless pumpkin pie. So I make it in the pie plate and I don't do any crust at all. It's just really? basically the filling. Yeah, it's a really good recipe. I, we, had a, we did a recipe book for my work for the, for the um, weight loss center. So I took a bunch of recipes and, and kind of lightened up the ingredients, changed things around a little bit. So the crustless pumpkin pie tastes just as good as the regular. Wow. Does it firm up and hold together? Yep. It's like a custard kind of thing. So yeah, it, absolutely. It, it holds together really well. Okay. Now, you, you talk about the recipes. Can, can On your website, you have recipes for some of this stuff? I do have some. Um, I probably need to, you know, put a little bit more up on the website, but I also send out a weekly newsletter and I'll typically put recipes in there once in okay. a while. And we'll give, I'll give the listeners, you know, some of this in the show notes. Sure. I do have some recipes on my face, free Facebook group too. Okay. Okay, cool. What are some of the other things that we can eliminate and, and how can we lighten up some of the other recipes like tacos and egg bake tacos is pretty simple, but you just, you know, We talked about that a little bit, about uh, going to a corn tortilla or wrapping in a a lettuce. You know, grandma's egg bake for breakfast is always a big one. Mm -hmm. 
and a big hit, especially around the holidays, which, you know, we're getting ready to go into them as much yeah. as I hate to see summer end. Uh, I know it's crazy. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the holidays are among us. And I know my mother always made an egg bake on Christmas morning or Thanksgiving or any of the holidays. So, you know, eggs themselves are, in my opinion, are, are totally healthy. They're awesome. Yep. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of misconception in the past about mm-hmm. eggs, but people need to realize that, you know, first of all, you can't make cholesterol, you can't make an egg without cholesterol. Correct. <laughs> so. And actually the, the cholesterol in eggs isn't, isn't something that is bad for you anymore. It's yeah. A lot of studies have been shown that it's not bad for you at all. So let's talk about the egg bake and, and, you know, vegetables are in there, broccoli, asparagus. What what are some of the things you put in your egg bake to lighten it up? Well, again, with the meat thing, I'll sometimes do a leaner cuts of meat instead of, although I do like bacon. I'd always add a little bit of bacon, but you know, instead of regular sausage, I might do turkey sausage, you know, or maybe bring down the amount of meat and, and bulk it up with more veggies like peppers, broccoli, asparagus, onions, tomatoes. And it's helpful to add seasonings like dill, chives, or parsley, pesto, different, different things like that will bulk up the flavor without adding extra salt. And you kind of don't miss the extra stuff as much. Okay. So you basically, bulk your, the veggies are the main thing here. That's what I would do, yeah. And I know that a lot of people will make their egg bakes with uh, milk. But you don't always have to do that, really. I mean, if you want to add like a tablespoon or so, instead of regular milk, I'll add coconut milk. And for me, I don't get the coconut taste, so that doesn't bother me any. Or you could use almond milk or something like that. But I don't use a lot of milk in my egg dishes at all. Yeah, milk's a touchy one. I mean, uh, especially the milk that you buy on the shelves at the store is laden with chemicals. Mm-hmm. And you, I know it's the some of the local grocery stores here where I'm at in Atlanta, they're, uh, they do have full fat milk mm-hmm. that you can buy, which is a lot healthier than the, the vitamin D supposedly milk on the shelves. Yeah. And I use the word vitamin D milk loosely. Yeah. <laughs> very loosely. Yep. So, I mean, there's a lot of other alternatives to milk. So what are some of the ones you would use in substituting for milk? My go-to choice is coconut milk. Okay. But I will, I actually make my own almond milk. And now that I started doing that, I, I can't drink the stuff from the store anymore. I just can't. It's not, doesn't taste good to me at all because the, the homemade stuff is really good and it's really easy to make. But that's, usually I'll do coconut milk. That's my favorite. But you could use almond milk. You could use, there's cashew milk is now, you know, getting more popular. Soy milk is is iffy, depends on your view on soy. And if it's organic, it's probably okay in small quantities, but I probably wouldn't go start with that. I was, I was reading an article about camel milk. I don't remember where I found that. Really? Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about that one. One goat's milk is something that's supposed to be halfway decent for us, but still. I I just want to know where they get these camels that they're milking. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, who's, who's got the camel farm that's milking the camels? Well, they have camels at our zoo, but I doubt they're milking them. I know, knows? that's what I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they're doing like, that on I the side. I don't know about the camel milk. <laughs> I'm not sold quite on the camel milk yet. Yeah. Go back to the almond milk, making your own almond milk while mm-hmm. we're on the subject of cooking. Yeah. Uh, what is the process and how long does it take to make some almond milk? 
Well, I did a video where I was actually showing people how to make it and it was a 12 minute video. So it doesn't take much time once you, you have to soak the almonds. So you take, I usually take a cup of almonds, of raw almonds, and put those in a measuring cup or a bowl. And I put some filtered water over the top. So it's about an inch over the the almonds, inch over the top of the almonds. And then I let that soak for overnight or during the day. Like I'll put them in the morning. And when I come home eight hours or 10 hours later, then I'll, I'll make it. So you want to soak the, the almonds and then you dump out the old water and I'll put the all soaked almonds and four cups of water in a blender in my Vitamix and I blend it up. And then I strain it through um, either cheesecloth or I have a nut milk bag. You can find them on Amazon for really cheap, like a couple bucks each. Okay. And I'll filter out the, the pulp and you have your almond milk. And you can add a couple things if you want. I'll sometimes add some vanilla and maybe a little stevia, but not much. Um, you can add cocoa powder if you want, chocolate or other things like that. If you add a couple dates, pitted dates, those will sometimes sweeten it up. Kind of depends. There's a bunch of different recipes you can get out there. But the, the basics is that's the almond milk is, is what you strain through the pulp. And then I usually just bake the pulp till it's completely dry. And I'll um, blend it up in the blender and, and use it as almond flour. Wow, there we go. Let's talk about, let's, let's talk about the almond flour a minute because I'm a big fan of fish. Okay. And we're talking about recipes and making healthy recipes. Uh, I like fried fish. Mm-hmm. And really, one of the things that I've enjoyed since I've been on this journey, my, my own journey, mm-hmm. is frying fish with almond, and coating them with almond flour. Sure. And that's, to me, you need to put some little salt and pepper in there to make them a little a little spicier, you know, but to me, that's a a great, great way to make use of, of almond flour and fish. Cause I I like my fish and I like, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's something else, but absolutely. And then the oil, what do you usually fry it in? Do you use like coconut oil or something? I use the coconut oil or a, a a grapeseed oil. Yeah. Those are the high, high heat ones. Yeah. High heat ones. Yeah. I try, first tried it with olive oil, yeah. and that was not a good idea. No, olive oil can get rancid at high temperatures. So olive oil is really healthy for you, but you want to use them for things that are cold, like salad dressings. Yep, and I didn't. I wasn't thinking, and I was like, oh, I'll just try this in olive oil, and it was like, yeah. yeah. Basically, I didn't even eat the fish. I, oh, no. I, I think I threw it out to the, to the wolves. Yeah. Now, spice, spice sugars? There's some good alternatives for sugars. What about spices? I, I see you're a big fan of Wild Tree. Yeah. I actually use their taco seasoning over uh, a regular taco seasoning, too. I was going to say that about the tacos. But Wild Tree is a company that it was founded, I don't know, I think it's been around for like 20 years, but it's not widespread yet. Um, but the woman who founded it, her kids had food allergies, and she started making her own spices, her own blends with her own spices. And her family and friends loved it. So she made a business out of it. So most of their products are organic or gluten-free. Not all, but most of them. They use grapeseed oil and coconut oil. So they have some good oils there. But I really love their blends because it adds a lot of flavor to different things. You can have chicken three nights in a row. And if you're using different spice blends, it tastes completely different. Hmm. And they also have a meal prep. Um, they've perfected the meal prep <laughs> workshop. So we'll, I can make up to 10 meals 
out of a bundle. They call it a bundle and you can, you get all the stuff that you need. You get all the spices in the full sizes. So there's extra to make extra meals. Once you're done, they have recipes, they have recipes for sides. They instruct you on how to, how to make it all. And you're basically taking your protein. So your meats using their oil and spices and sometimes some veggies and you put it all together in a plastic bag, throw it in the freezer, and then you have it to use later on. I used that when I had my, one of my hip surgeries. Huh. So it was really helpful to just pull out a meal and, and you have the, you, you double bag it and you put the recipe in between the two bags. So you have it right there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. When you have a family, meal prep's important. And that's something that with clients, my clients, your clients, anybody that has clients, it's one of the things I struggle with getting people to do is you've got to plan your menu just like you plan your budget. Yeah, you have to be organized to lose weight or be healthy because if right. you're not organized, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> because otherwise you're going to go to the grocery store and buy something that looks good and it's not going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So you need to plan your, plan your meal or plan your menu, your weekly menu, mm-hmm. like you plan your budget for the month or the week. And really, you only need, even with my family of five, I really only need like two or three meals for the week because we'll eat leftovers. So it's not as big of a a deal as it sounds. And once you just do it and take an hour or two every weekend, you're going to go grocery shopping anyway. You may as well have your list and and save some time. And they actually, Wildtree actually came out with an app now. So if people have the spices in their pantry, they can look up a recipe real quick or they can, it'll tell them what they have to get as it'll give them a grocery list if they have the recipe that they want and it'll kind of customize it to what they have. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It just came out like a month ago, a couple weeks ago. Okay. Tell the listeners where they can find you. So I have my website is livinglightercoaching.net. That's my health coaching website. And there's a a pop-up that shows up when you log in there and you can sign up for the email newsletter and people can get the updates weekly. And I also have, I'm on Facebook. Uh, My Facebook business page is Living Lighter Coaching. Christine Kramer. And then my Facebook group is a free group and that's called Living Lighter and Healthier. Okay. Now is that .net or .com? It, you can do either. I have both domains, but .net is where it, it's living, but .com will okay. direct you there. Okay. We've covered sugars. We've covered substitute for milk. We've covered substitutes for cheese. Meat even. Put the chickpeas in that. Yeah. You know, cheese is a tough one for me. Yeah, me too. I I like my cheese. and I I really, finding a full fat cheese to me is like finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. A good full fat cheese because... Oh, that's something we didn't talk about, whether we should do full fat, light, or fat free. Yeah, let's touch that base real quick. I would never recommend fat free ever. Right. Now, just because they they dump sugar in it instead of fat. And then, you know, to me... The fat-free craze is what started the obesity ep- epidemic in the United States. That's my opinion, <laughs> you know, but, but the full fat stuff is your best bet. And if you're trying to get down on calories, depending on, on what you feel like you want to do, you can go with a lighter one, but you know, full fat in small amounts is better than anything else. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think when you go no fat or some of the key words that I usually tell my clients is no fat, low fat. I'd rather see the, you get a, a 
full fat sour cream mm-hmm. or a full fat butter and just cut back on it. And you don't need as much when you have the full fat, really. I mean, and when fat is present in food, a little bit of nutrition thing here, you know, your, your body will always burn carbs first, no matter what. It's, it's the nutrient of choice. And when they take the fat out, that's all carbs, typically. And your carb count goes up when the fat is present. That slows down the digestion. It shows, slows down that absorption of the carbs. And just that alone will help with appetite. It'll help you feel satisfied for a lot longer because otherwise your blood sugar goes wacko all the time. And that's part of the, the reason for the ketogenic boom is... Yeah, because it works. <laughs> full fat is much healthier than no fat or low fat. Yeah, and full healthy fat. You know, you don't want to... The fats that are solid at room temperature, you know, aside from probably butter and coconut oil, are the bad ones. You know, the ones that are, are liquid, like if you're, you can usually say if there's a salad dressing and that has oil in it, it's probably a healthier oil because it doesn't get solid in the refrigerator and usually refrigerate it. So that's kind you of. Know, and let's talk about salad dressing before we go to, because most of the salad dressings on the shelf at the grocery store are full of chemicals and sugars. Yep, it's high fructose corn syrup is usually the first ingredient. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. so easy to make your own salad dressing, and it, it only takes a few damn minutes. Not even. Like, it, really, I, I use lemon juice and oil and a spice and maybe some salt. Right. A little bit, or salt and pepper. That's it. But I'm a fan of using guacamole and, and salsa instead of salad dressing, too. And that's another good point. Yeah, I mean, I... I usually just do the lemon and the olive oil mm-hmm. and a spice, you know, but it's just, and I know it's not blue cheese or ranch. I mean, no. but if you can find a real ranch dressing, let me know. Well, you can, you can probably Google dairy-free ranch dressing and find a bunch of recipes too. You know, I'll, that's what I usually like to do is I'll Google that. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes Google, I, I had a conversation with another well, about Google and how you can, if you have a headache and you Google headache, by the end of the time you look researching your headache, you probably think you're dying. Probably you have more of a headache. Right. And you're <laughs> going to need to go to the emergency room because you have your, your brain, brain's about ready to explode. So be careful. Yeah. Google's a great tool, but well, be careful what you Google. Okay, but yeah, depending on your, I don't, I don't recommend it for medical conditions ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And then you'd be like, I have a tumor. No, you don't have a tumor. Oh, it's so funny because people start Googling like, okay, I have a migraine. Well, the next thing you know, they're like, they're on their way to the emergency room because their brain's going to explode. Yeah, they think they have an aneurysm or a a tumor or something and it's just a a headache. Yeah. (laughs) So the last question I have for the show, and this is a question I ask all my guests and some of them, uh, have some interesting answers and some of them uh, don't even listen to music. But given you have some time to kill, let's say an hour mm-hmm. or two, I, what album or group or artist would you listen to? Well, I have two, two things that I like to do. I like country music and 80s music. <laughs> so if I had to pick a band for 80s music, it would be Journey, hands down. Okay. And for country music, it would be kind of a toss-up between Zach Brown Band or Jason Aldean or Carrie Underwood, one of the three. Ah, uh, Zach Brown, one of my faves. He's awesome. 
Oh, yeah. ZBB. Yep. Uh, journey. Don't stop believing. Yep. <laughs> it's a mantra. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Hold on to that feeling. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time today, Chris. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And it's uh, been nice talking to you. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to happy to help out. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.